Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there tuning in with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you, and if it is, feel free to like it and share it with others. If you'll go over to establishedinthefaith.com, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast. You can now get us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others as well. Feel free to contact us there on the website with questions and comments that you may have pertaining to the program today. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 13. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Bibles tonight. Turn to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation 9 verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. The altar that is mentioned here in verse 13 is the same altar that is spoken of in Revelation 8 and verse 3, uh, where an angel came and offered incense along with the prayers of the saints. Now, for many years during Old Testament times, on the great day of atonement, the high priest would offer up sacrifice upon the brazen altar. He would take blood from that sacrifice, go into the holy place, and he would sprinkle blood upon the four horns of that golden altar which was in the tabernacle. It was a replica of the one that we see here in heaven. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai, God showed him the blueprints and how the furniture of the tabernacle, the tabernacle itself, how all of these things were to be constructed. And Moses built these things according to the pattern that was showed to him there in the mount. So this golden altar had four horns. And once a year, the priest would go in and apply the blood to the four horns of that altar. And he would pray an intercessory prayer for the sins of the people. He would intercede on their behalf. And his prayer would be a prayer of mercy a prayer for God to have grace uh, upon his people and to forgive them of their sins and whatever the case. But during the great tribulation period, it will no longer be a voice of grace and mercy, but it will be a voice of judgment. And the voice that came forth from that altar at this time said to loose the four angels. Now, these four angels are fallen angels. You know, a few weeks ago we talked about Lucifer's rebellion against God way back sometime in the eons of the past. 
Lucifer led a rebellion against God. We know that one-third of the angels sided with him. Uh, Jesus mentioned it when he said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from the sky. Lucifer became Satan when he fell. Uh, he still has access into heaven. We see that in the book of Job. Satan has access to heaven now, along with other demon spirits. You don't normally think of the devil being in heaven. You normally think of the devil being in hell, but he's not there yet. But his day's coming. The book says his day's coming, and I look forward to that day. But at any rate, these are four fallen angels that sided with Lucifer during his rebellion. And they committed sins which, believe it or not, were greater than that of Lucifer, greater than that of Satan. And that's the reason why they are bound in uh, this area here where they call the great river Euphrates. Now, the interesting thing about the great river Euphrates, there's a lot of history there as it pertains to this particular area. Uh, the river Euphrates is first mentioned in connection with the Garden of Eden in Genesis uh, chapter 2. That's where we see the river Euphrates first mentioned. It is believed that after the flood of Noah, the Tower of Babel, which later became the city of Babylon, uh, was built on that spot where the Garden of Eden is at, which is located right there at the Euphrates, that particular area there. Uh, if you will, flip over to Genesis chapter 10. I want to show you some things that maybe perhaps you did not know about this particular area. Maybe you'll understand some of what is going on in the world today and what will be going on in the not-too-distant future. Genesis 10, move down, if you will, to verse 8. Now, when the Tower of Babel was built, it was built by a man by the name of Nimrod, and that's what we're going to learn about here for a few minutes. Genesis 10, verse 8, And Cush beget Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Some Bible commentators think that he uh, was one of the giants, possibly. There's not a whole lot of evidence to support that other than the term a mighty one. Uh, that phrase is sometimes used of the giants. But other than that, there's no further proof. Uh, verse 9 said, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, Even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, and the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Calne, in the land of Shinar. Now, one Bible commentator said, that Nimrod began to be a mighty one in the earth by his bold and daring deeds, primarily hunting men by tyranny and force. He lorded it over others, hunting and destroying all who were opposed to him. Josephus said that Nimrod persuaded people to ascribe their happiness to him rather than to God. Uh, he became a great leader taught people to centralize, and he organized the first 
religious rebellion against God at the Tower of Babel. Uh, if you will, flip over to Genesis chapter 11. Um, I think we're all familiar with the story of the Tower of Babel. We'll just read some of these passages here found in Genesis chapter 11. We'll begin with verse 1. The Bible says that the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And he said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. Here we have a group of people who are striving to get to heaven. Now, well, you would say, well, Brother James, what is wrong with that? Everybody strives and wants to go to heaven. They surely don't want to go to hell. So what's wrong with, with uh, these people having a desire to, to get to heaven? Well, the problem is the way you go about it. God has established one way to get to heaven, and that is through and by the sacrifice during the Old Testament times, which pointed toward Jesus Christ the one who was to come. Today, we look back at Jesus and what he did at Calvary. It is still only one way. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through and by Jesus Christ. But here we have a group of individuals that are trying to get to heaven by their own way and by their own means. And let's take a look at what God had to say about that. They said, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. After the flood of Noah, God had one command for Noah and his family. He said, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. That was the one commandment that God gave man after the flood. And here these individuals refusing to do what God said. They said, let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. Well, the Lord came down, verse 5. Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. What is it that they were trying to do? They were trying to build a utopian paradise. They were trying to get back to the Garden of Eden. And this area in which they are building this tower is right on the exact spot that the Garden of Eden was at, the river Euphrates. And here they are trying to build a utopian paradise and have the Garden of Eden minus God. They didn't want God in any of their business. They were of one language. They were of one mind. And that's what will be coming up here in the not too distant future, a one world government uh, without God. You've got a question? Uh, it is a perfect world, if you will. Without God. And you can't have a perfect world 
with God's not in it. All right, verse 7. Let us go down and therefore confound their language. This is what God said. That they not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel, because it is there that the Lord confounded the language of all the earth, and hence the Lord did scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. That is why we have all the different languages in the world. Now, this is a question that has been asked for many years. How did all the different nationalities, races, that sort of thing, come about, and how did they manage to be all over the world? All right, follow me for just a few minutes, and we're we're going to get back to the other in just a second. When God created the world, and he divided the land area from the water, he, he caused the waters to be gathered in one place and all the land gathered in another. If you would take a ball and draw a circle around it halfway, that's the way the earth was back in those days. All the land area was here. All the water was here. One land area. If you will take a look at Genesis 10 verse 25, an interesting statement is made during all the begats and during all of the this one begat, that one, and whatever the case. Genesis 10, 25, the Bible says, Unto Eber was born two sons, the name of one was Peleg. For in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. It was during the days of Peleg that the earth, the dry land, was divided. It is believed that after the Tower of Babel, when all of the languages was divided up, These group of people that could speak the same language, they went off over to here. These group of people that spoke this language, well, they got together and gathered over here, and so forth. And during the days of Peleg, the earth was divided. Scientists tell us that if you take all the continents, that you can fit them together like a puzzle. But it was during this time that God not only confounded the language... But he also divided the earth, and that's why we have all the continents today. That's the theory. So I just thought I'd throw that out. How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, Brother Jimmy has, all right. Never heard that before, okay. Well, if anybody, uh, you know, you don't buy that, just set it up on the shelf and pray about it. It ain't no big deal. I just thought I'd throw that out. I thought that was rather interesting. All right, now they left off building the Tower of Babel for a short period of time. But after a while, over a period of time, they came back and they continued building the uh, Tower of Babel. And they built the city of Babylon, which it grew to be a large empire, the Babylonian Empire headed up by King Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon epitomizes the very core of man's rebellion against God. Nimrod, Nimrod. How would you like to be called Nimrod? His name means to be rebellious. 
He rebelled against God and led others to rebel against God. And uh, therefore, everything that has come from this area has been in rebellion against God. The interesting thing is, in the book of Revelation, there are only two cities mentioned in the book of Revelation. The city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem. One is the city of Satan. One is the city of God. And there you have the two opposing forces. The city of Babylon, the city of Jerusalem, the city of Satan, the city of God. Now, let's bring it up to today. This area today is known as Iraq, Syria, and Iran. It is the center of the Muslim world which is Satan's religion, they have vowed the destruction of Israel as well as the United States. It is also from this part of the world, one of these three countries, Iraq, Syria, or Iran, it is believed that the Antichrist will come from one of these three countries. And it is in this area that the four angels are bound For a day, a time, a month, an hour in which they will be released to kill a third part of men. That's 300 million men, women, and children. A judgment that is coming upon this earth during the Great Tribulation period. Now, John gives us some numbers. If you'll flip back over to Revelation 9 verse 16. Revelation 9, verse 16. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand, and I heard the number of them. That's 200 million of these things. Now, some teach that these horsemen are soldiers of various armies that uh, overrun Europe and Asia sometime in the past. Some teach that they are soldiers under the Antichrist. None of that is true. These are demon spirits. They are riding demon horsemen. They'll probably be divided up into companies of 50 million under each of the four angels that are loosed there in that area of the uh, Euphrates that we were just talking about. All right, verse 17, let's take a look at what these things look like. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths, for their powers in their mouth, and their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. These are demon spirits, riding demon 
horses. These demon horses, they have the body of a horse, and it has the head of a lion. If you can picture a horse with the head of a lion, it's what they look like, and they have tails that look like serpents. And the demon spirit that is riding upon the demon horse uh, is sheathed in fire the color of purple. So if you can visualize that in your mind, a horse with a lion's head with a serpent's tail and a purple figure riding on top of it, that's what John saw. Now John is able to see these things because he's in the spirit world. He was taken up into heaven and he's able to see these things. I do not personally believe that people on earth will be able to see these things. You think about it now. We don't see demon spirits now, although we know they're in the world. Jesus cast them out left and right when he walked on the earth. And uh, uh, like I said, I believe that demon spirits are still in this world today. And even more so at this particular time, 200 million of them. And the Bible says they do hurt. So although I don't think they'll be seen, they most definitely will be felt. Uh, They will kill men by fire, smoke, and brimstone, which proceeds out of their mouth. Uh, That sounds painful to me. I don't know about you. I do not think that the deaths of these people will be sudden. I think it's going to be a long, drawn-out ordeal because it says there with their tails they do hurt. That's the latter part of verse 19. What exactly will these people, what will their symptoms be? have no idea. It'll probably be interesting to be a fly on the wall, so to speak, and see what doctors have to say about all of this. You know, what kind of symptoms are the people having and what kind of itis will they call it? You know, it'll be interesting to see what they have to say, uh, you know, just prior to this, the judgment of the demon locust that will come upon the earth stinging men for a period of five months. The Bible says men will scream and beg to die, but death will flee from them. That's your zombie apocalypse right there. You see it on the movies and they talk about it. Uh, If there's anything biblical to back it up, that's it. For a period of five months, death will flee from them. No doubt people will be trying to kill themselves. Jump out in front of cars, get hit by a bus, get right up and keep right on walking. You say, well, James, that's far-fetched. Well, that's about the closest thing uh, to a zombie apocalypse that there will be. And you can read about it there in the uh, first few verses there, Revelation chapter 9. Now, the interesting thing about all of this is, all of this judgment is going on. People are in a lot of pain all around them, dying. But those who are not affected do not repent. Take a look at verse 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, 
that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. The intimation here is that God will forgive, even at this time, if men will repent. But at this time, men will not repent of the works of their hands. Let me deal with that for just a minute. The works of the hands. The stage has been set today, whether you realize it or not. It's hard to go anywhere anymore without somebody got some kind of device in their hands. A phone, an iPad, a laptop, a game, or something. All the time. The works of the hands. Works of the hands pertains to anything that is man-made. That could be a business. That could be a church. That could be a man-made denomination. It could be a house. It could be a car. Anything that is man-made that people worship. And you say, well, Brother James, I ain't seen anybody just bow right down to a house and, and worship it or whatever. Let me tell you something. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. Whatever lies at the center of your life, whatever takes precedence over everything else, when you get right down to it, that is what you worship. Whatever you eat, breathe, sleep, drink, work for, it's on your mind constantly, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whatever's at the center of your life, that is what you worship. It is idolatry. We got some things coming up here in just a few months. People will be going to the stores left and right, cashing in on those deals, getting up wee hours of the morning to go get that great deal or whatever to get that Christmas gift. But some people are not getting them for other people as much as they are getting them for themselves. At any rate, it says that people will not repent of their idols and their idol worship. Verse 21, and we're going to close it out with this. Neither repented they of their murders. In Matthew chapter 24, this is what Jesus had to say about this particular time of the great tribulation period. He said, many shall be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Murder is going to be at an all-time high during the great tribulation period, as well as self-murder, suicide. You've got people that have been stung or attacked by these demon spirits and they want a way out. As we just talked about with the demon locust, men will scream and beg to die, but death will flee from them. 
Also, I want you to take a look there in verse 21. This is very interesting when you do a little in-depth study. It says, uh, neither repented they of their murders nor of their sorceries. Take a look at that word sorceries. The word sorceries in the Greek is pharmakia. It's where we get our English word pharmacy from. And you know what that has to do with? It has to do with drugs, drug abuse, whether it be legal or illegal drugs. It's going to be at an all-time high during the tribulation period, and we know how bad the drug problem is today. Um, alcohol ranks right up there on top. Heroin is making a comeback. Crack, all the other different drugs. Uh, but uh, one thing in the legal realm of drugs is pain medication. There are a lot of people that are on pain medication. And if the doctor's prescribed that for you, and you're at a state where you're having to deal with pain, whatever the case, that's fine. But you've got some people that are abusing these things. Uh, I just thought it's interesting when I looked up the word sorceries. When you think of sorceries, you think of magic and voodoo and that sort of witches and that sort of thing. Uh, but the Greek word there is pharmakia. It has to do with drugs, drug use. And, uh, nor of their fornication. Uh, the Greek word there is pornea. It's where we get our English word pornography from. Uh, that has to do with all kinds of sexual sins. If you think homosexuality is bad now, it will be bad during the tribulation period. Someone said, and I don't know exactly where they got it from, I think it's in the book of Daniel as it pertains to the Antichrist. Perhaps the Antichrist will be a homosexual. I don't know. I don't plan on being here during that time. And it also says, nor of their thefts. So crime is also going to be at an all-time high during the tribulation period. Uh, and like I said, I believe all these things are going to be at an all-time high because the church is not going to be here. And thank God for that. If you're saved... By the blood of Jesus Christ, you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. The trumpet of Almighty God is going to sound. It could sound at any moment. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with Him. And after that, we'll start the great tribulation period, and that's when all these things will occur. If you're not saved, let me encourage you to mean business with God and get it right with God. Because there's only one way out, and that's to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.